to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, if you have your Bible, I hope you do. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 15 here in a moment. And hey, if you don't have a Bible, somewhere near you in the back of the chair, there should be a Bible. Um, It's either black or red. Some of the red ones are the New King James Version. Nothing wrong with that. I'm speaking of the ESV, but I think next week we'll have have them all switched over to the the black ESVs. But Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 15 here in just a moment. Now, I know I like to, last week I told you I like to ask questions where you get to respond and answer, but this is actually kind of a rhetorical question for you to think about. But what is it that God desires for you? What is it that, that he wants for your life? It's kind of cool to think about, especially if you're a parent, you think you can think about this, that as a parent, there are certain things that you hope for, that you desire for your kid. Some of you as young people are like, yeah, I wish my parents had less desires for my life, right? Um, but as a parent, they're, they're good things that you hope you desire for your kid. And it's kind of cool to think about that if you're a child of God, if you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, you know Jesus, that God has similar desires for you, that there are things that he hopes, things that he wants for you. And it's really cool. We don't have to guess at what those are. The Bible tells us what those things are. And in verse 15, verses 15 to 23, uh, this is actually a prayer of Paul, but I'll, I'll explain in a second why I think it really is not just a prayer, but actually God's desire for us. So check this out with me. Chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit, notice that's capital S, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. Now, we're going we're gonna to pause there for, for a moment. I promise we're going to read the rest of it here in just a bit. But so I mentioned that this is, hey, I'm sorry, hey, angel, I feel like we're, it may be just me, probably not y'all. I've got this like weird, I feel like I'm in a can. Do y'all hear that a little bit? I feel like, maybe not. It's just me, sorry. Um, so I feel like I have this weird, that sounds much better. Thanks, bro. Hey, in all seriousness, I know I do this only when there's like some sort of issue. You know what sound guys, sound engineers are like field goal kickers. When everything's going great, no one talks about them. But if we need something fixed, it's like, hey, by the way, <laughs> um, can we give Angel a hand real quick? Seriously, appreciate you, bro. Yeah, the man. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I was trying not to say anything, but I was like, I got to say it. I'm so distracted. All right, thanks, bro. That's much better. I can speak in peace now. All right. Um, so in this, this prayer, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So this is a prayer where Paul's praying for that. He's telling you praise for the Ephesians. But here's the cool thing about this prayer. Because this is scripture, we know this is not just simply like, Paul praying his desires, what he hopes God does in their lives. Because this is scripture, God's word, we know this is also God's desire for us. Does that make sense? 
So what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that just because I pray a prayer for you, that whatever I pray must be God's desire. If it was, you'd be like, please pray for me a new car and a new house. That'd be awesome, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. But because this is scripture, God's word, and as Paul's saying, this is what I desire for you. We actually know this is what God desires for us. It's pretty cool. Before we dig into his prayer a little more, I want to think about this. What I think is so cool about this idea here of what God desires for us is often we kind of swing between two extremes of thinking what God wants for us. So sometimes we feel like God just wants us to get our junk together. Like he's just upset with us. He's frustrated. It's like, how can I please God today? What can I do? And then other times we're kind of on the other end of the spectrum and we have this ridiculous, not biblical idea, but God just wants me to be happy. Like that's, that's not true either. So this is cool because it helps center us out on to, to what God wants for us. Now, to understand what God desires for us, we need to understand this prayer a little bit. So he says uh, in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit, I pointed out capital S, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So he's praying that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, would do a work in their lives to give them wisdom and revelation. And, and knowledge. So we know that this is not just like more information. This is about God opening their eyes, the Holy Spirit doing a supernatural work, not just in their lives, but in our lives to see something, to see what God wants. I love verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So this is about like your spiritual eyes. We used to sing this song. I remember the song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Remember that? I could have brought that back. Um, anyways, uh, that's, I think that's where this, that song is taken from. God, open my eyes. I need the Holy Spirit to open my, the eyes of my heart to see something. So this is not just like about an increase of knowledge or some like secret little treasure trove of knowledge. This is about an increase of intimacy with God. Do you see that here? It's about having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. So you're not just like up here, no, but deep in your heart, in your gut, that you may know. What he's saying is, if you'll see, and we haven't gotten to what it is yet, but if you'll see these things, seeing changes everything. It's one, to, it's one thing to know in your head. It's another thing to know in your heart, in your gut. I remember in college, the last really two years uh, I was in college, that my, my roommate Boyd and his eventually wife, Brittany, kept telling me about this girl named Lauren at that time. Pow, where is she? I saw her a second ago. There she is right there. Um, so beautiful. How could I miss her? And uh, I remember they kept telling me about this girl named Lauren Powell. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Like, quit pushing this. Like, I'm okay. Leave me alone. Well, right after I graduated, there was a, uh, about four or five days where I was going to be home or uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, before I went and worked at a camp in South Carolina. And uh, Boyd called me the day before I came home for those few days and was like, bro, you, you, you got to come home and you just need to meet Lauren. You, you just got to meet her because I know we've told you a lot about her, but I think if you could actually see her, and not just see her like because she's pretty, but really get to, like, to know her, it would change everything. And I really was like, this has been two years. If you'll drop it, we'll go on a double date. And so uh, we did, sure enough. That, that next, I guess the next day, we went uh, to dinner at this, I think it's Mimi's Cafe maybe or something, and then we went back to their apartment and just hung out for a long time, and, and that was it. And uh, I remember the next morning, uh, I was getting breakfast in the kitchen, and my mom 
she knew I wasn't like super excited about this double day, and she in the kitchen said, well, hey, how, how was it? Now, you've known a lot about her, but now that you actually got to like really see her, what do you think? And she said, I kind of remember this, but she still to this day says, I only said one word, whoa. <laughs> because seeing changes everything. I had, I had known some things about her. They give me all these creepy facts about like where she went to elementary school and stuff. <laughs> um, but actually getting to hang out with her and, and really see who she was, it changed everything. Seeing, grasping, knowing in your gut something changes everything. So what is it that God desires us to see? What is it that he wants us to know? I'm going to back up again to verse 17 just to kind of read it a little bit more fluidly. He's been praying, God's desire, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, verse 1, what is the hope to which he has called you. Here's the first thing God wants for you. God's desire for you is that you would see how much hope there is for you. That's pretty incredible. God wants you to know that with him, you are never hopeless. You're never hopeless. I love it says, what is the hope? So what is, what is, stop for a second, what is biblical hope? Biblical hope is not like, man, I hope tech wins eight games this year, or like, I hope this works out. No, biblical hope is founded on who God is. Biblical hope is founded on, it's rested in, it rests in the goodness and faithfulness of God. So biblical hope is not about what you can do. And man, I hope I can muster up the strength or the ability, the intellect to pull this off. No, hope rests on God. It rests on Jesus. He says, the hope to which he has called you. So let's think about that for a second. Again, Paul, I think Paul's kind of assuming that we know some biblical context. What is the hope God has called us to? That he says in verse 18. First of all, if you're a Christian, salvation in Jesus. If you know Jesus, you get to experience the hope of having a relationship with God, that you have been reconciled. And from that, you have peace with God. You get the joy of having a relationship with God. He's also called us to hope in sanctification. What in the world does that mean? Sanctification is the process of being made holy, so being made like Jesus. So here's the cool thing. If you know Jesus Christ, the hope to which he has called you is that you're not stuck to be like, this again, we're not all into uh, positive thinking here. We're into real thinking. You're not stuck in being the messed up person that you are, Amen. <laughs> If you know Jesus, you have the hope that he's going to grow you and change you and sanctify you to be like Jesus. That's good news. <laughs> More than that, you have the hope of being another kind of churchy word uh, of glorification, that one day you literally will be transformed into the image of Jesus. And that because of that, one day you'll get to experience heaven. So that means victory over sin, victory over death, victory over all your struggles, because you have hope in Jesus. <laughs> There's so much hope for you because of Jesus. And your situation is never hopeless. When I was in India, the uh, first time, I guess about three years ago, I, we went to this market, really cool market in Delhi, and talked to this man, and I, I paid, honestly, way too little for this, knowing what he did with this. This is, uh, I can't remember what kind of stone it's made out of. Um, 
I would have like turned it over and says, made in China, and I'm kidding. Um, but he, uh, a man had come, I guess his family back in, maybe, I think it was more near, uh, more near uh, Kashmir. Anyways, his family made these and sold them at this market. Yeah, there's the picture in case, my awesome looking thumb there. Um, but there's the picture, because you probably can't see it from this distance. And actually, I'm sure you can't see it in there, maybe you can there's actually a little elephant inside of the elephant that you see. If you want to see afterwards, I'll be at the Welcome Center and you can check it out. But he said that he spent, or his family spent 15 days on this one piece. Which, again, uh, the picture never does it justice, as awesome as that screen is. But if you were to come and look at the detail of this, it, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. And what was crazy is I talked with him. And this rock was the wrong size, but it's the biggest I had in my yard. <laughs> um, bring a big boulder up here. What, what's interesting is that wh- him or whoever it was in his family that did this, they saw a rock, but they didn't just see a rock. They, they saw this. They saw what could be done with it. And it's, it's beautiful. Like, I don't know what you would, the, I guess the artist, I don't know what you would exactly call the person who does this, but the artist, the engraver, it's pretty pretty phenomenal to have this kind of vision. I think a lot of us in our lives, we look at ourselves or our situations, and we just see a rock, and we're like, <laughs> ain't no hope there, bro. This is like nothing. It's just a rock. Like, this situation is hopeless. My life is hopeless because I've thrown my rock in the dirt too many times. <laughs> but if you know Jesus, Jesus doesn't just see a rock. Hopefully, he doesn't see an elephant either, but... <laughs> He sees a piece of art that he's fixing to do. <laughs> I don't know where you're at today, but if you know Jesus, man, you're in the hands of a really good chiseler. I can't think of the word. I should have thought of that before, but a sculptor. Thank you. Hey, I'm a smart guy down here. Yeah. How often do we give up hope? because we forget whose hands we're in. (laughs) And all we see is this. If you know Jesus, he wants you to see the how much hope there is for you. That your situation is never hopeless. So because of that, man, keep digging into God's word. Keep meeting with God's people. Keep being patient even when it's tough because there is hope for you. And you say, well, man, you don't know, Brandon, like I, I've messed things up pretty bad. Like I don't know if there's any reversing it. And I would tell you again, it's the hope that you get to have in Jesus is not because you're awesome. It's the hope he's called you to. Again, the hope of Jesus is founded in him, not because you earned it or deserve it. So take hope because you got hope. <laughs> there's so much hope for you. That's just the beginning. What else does God want you to see? He wants you to see there's hope for you, but also, we're going to kind of, um, for the time being, just read through this and come back to one of the points. I want to do a little out of order, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. But let's pick up back in verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We'll come back to that in verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Can you tell that Paul just loves Jesus? (laughs) He starts talking about Jesus, and he's like, oh, let me tell you something, right? He just goes on this Jesus rant of how good Jesus is. But here's what I want you to see. He says, that we may know, that we may see, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. So here's how I put it. God's desire for you is that you would see the mountain-moving power he wants to use in your life. God wants you to grasp the power that he has available to work in you and through you. I mean, that gets me pumped up. I don't know about you guys. Like, I know I'm a very large and very strong man, but sometimes I feel, just kidding, sometimes I feel kind of, kind of weak and helpless. But you know what? This, this passage, here it is, this passage tells me I'm not on my own. The immeasurable greatness of his power. God wants me to see, he wants me to open up my eyes to how big, how vast, how strong, how powerful his strength and power is. And I love that he says it's immeasurable. So he's like, hey, y'all, there ain't no tape measure big enough. Like, there's not a scale that we can say, yep, God's power is about this size. He says, there's not a big enough scale. We can't measure it out. It's, it's that big. It's that strong. He says, if anything, if we're going to compare it to anything, like Paul's trying to give an example of God's strength, he says, it's the same might that he worked in Christ when he raised them from the dead. And that's when, again, he goes off on this, like, Jesus rant. <laughs> Sit in that for a second. The same power that rose Jesus out of that grave, if you know Christ, God wants to use that same power in your life. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. And there's, there's not a tape measure big enough. I think oftentimes in our lives, we're like approaching our own struggles or battles or whatever, trying to grow in our faith, whatever it may be. And it's like we've got this shovel and we're like, I'm working hard and I'm digging and I'm struggling. And God's behind us with the tractor. Oh, hello, sorry. God's behind us with the tractor and he's like, hey, buddy, if you would just let me help, I I can do this a little better, I think. (laughs) He's like, I think I could actually do this maybe even a little quicker if you'll just take the shovel out of the way and let me come in with my tractor. I think we might would ask for God's help a little more for his, for his intervention in our lives if we, if we could see the power that he wants to use in our lives. Now, I'm convicted by the fact that so often my prayerlessness reveals the fact that I'm not so sure about God's power. <laughs> Y'all, he wants to show up in your life. Think about it, the same God <laughs> that parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could go through, that same God wants to work in and through you. The same God who shut the mouths of the lions when Daniel was thrown in there, he wants to work in and through you. The same God that used Joseph to to provide food for the nation, he wants to work in and through you. And you say, Brandon, I don't know, man. Like, I'm pretty messed up. Like, my struggles, I've been fighting over and over and over again, and I keep losing. I I don't know. You know what I would tell you? Your problems are no match for his power. (laughs) And they, 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 can't, they can't touch his power. Maybe you just need to ask. 
And I think that's why God's saying, I want you to see, I, I want your, your, the eyes of your heart to be opened up to the power available to you. It's the same power that right, raised Christ from the dead. If you could just see, y'all, if we could just see his power, I think we might ask a little more. I think we might believe a little bit more. I think we might hope a little bit more. And there is power for your problems. God wants you to see his mountain-moving power. Now, I, I saved the last one for a reason. And I even did it out of order for a reason. I think that most of us really struggle to believe that God loves us. Like, we can sing about it, we can talk about it, but when it comes down to it, when we're alone, we often feel like God's angry at us. Or just like we're not measuring up. So let's back up and read, starting in verse 18 again. He wants us to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know, again, deep down in our gut, what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And this is, a, this is such a cool thing. If you know Jesus... He's saying that God views you as an inheritance. You know what that means? He treasures you. As, a, as an earthly king values his, his stock or his, uh, his caves even of, of gold and silver, that's his value. So God values the riches of his people. Not your stuff, you. He sees you as a glorious inheritance. Let that, let that sit on you for a second. Think of how often we feel insecure or like we don't measure up or we compare ourselves to someone else. And we're like, man, if I was like them, God would love me more. Um, by the way, sorry, I didn't really say this third one. The third thing I want you to see is God's desire for you is that you would see the treasure you are to him. That's to keep us consistent there. But as much as we compare ourselves to each other, as much as we struggle to feel like we're worth anything to God, he says, hey, you're an inheritance to me. You are valued. You are a treasure. But again, we don't always believe that. I'm going to reference a very, very serious show to help you understand this point. <laughs> I promise I'll keep these, these references to a minimum. <laughs> so there's a show called The Office. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by, by the way, I'm, let me say that if, if you've been around me long enough, like you, you know this about me, we're not into trying to make you feel emotional and pull strings with God's word changes your heart. But I think sometimes, because me included, we're a little slow to see things, we need some help seeing some things, right? So we're not trying to, I'm not telling you the story to try to pull your heartstrings. So in the show, um, two of the main characters, I think everybody thinks that, by the way, if you've not seen any of The Office, don't worry, I'm going to tell it in a way that you can track with me. There's two main characters, um, Pam and Jim. And I think everybody kind of sees themselves as them. Does that make sense? Like everybody else in the show, like, oh, they're so weird. Be like, Jim and Pam, they're like me, <laughs> which really we're all like the weirdos, actually. And so um, in the show, Jim and Pam, they're kind of the love story from the very beginning 
uh, all the way to the end. Corbin's going to come up and help us set this love story feeling, okay? So um, they're, they're, they're the love story from the very beginning to the end. But they, and like towards the end of the show, like season, I guess, eight or so, um, they kind of have, Pam and Jim have some struggle. They like, they, there's some tension in their relationship. And Jim moves, I think it is to, to Philly, to pursue this sports career. And they, their marriage really gets on the rocks. And so, again, very giving the, fa- the fast-forward version. I'm, I am kind of spoiling it for you, but it's like 10 years old, so don't be mad at me. And so, um, anyways, Jim eventually realizes man, that their marriage is kind of on the rocks. And so he moves back to little old Scranton, Pennsylvania, to, to kind of shore up their relationship. And so at first, things are good and everything. But Pam begins to really, like, struggle with and question is she enough for Jim? She feels bad that he left like his glory of the job, this amazing job and opportunity to come and to really to be with her, to love her. And so she starts feeling like, man, I'm not worth it. And so she eventually one day like, they're talking, she breaks down crying and he's like, what's wrong? He says, I'm just, I'm just afraid I'm not enough for you. Like you left everything. I'm afraid I'm not enough for you. Like, do you love me that much? Am I worth it? And Jim just doesn't know what to say to that. He, he, he doesn't know what to say to it. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, the show is, is supposed to be like a documentary. So you're watching the show, but it's like when you're watching the show, they're making this documentary to air. So what Jim does, he has the, the film crew from the documentary put together this, I don't know, five-minute video of all these different clips of their relationship because he's going to prove to her how he really feels. So he gets the DVD ready. And he sits Pam down at the laptop, and he's fixing to show it to her. And his, at that time, boss, who is really weird but also hilarious, is Dwight. And so Dwight comes in. He's like, Jim, I need you in my office right now. And, and Jim tells Dwight, man, this is not a good time. And he, Dwight throws a beanbag at Jim, and he's like, no, really, I need you right now. So Jim looked at Pam and was like, just, just don't watch it. Just wait. So he goes to Dwight's office, the manager, and they begin to talk, and Dwight says, man, you know, I'm really struggling. I like this girl. I'm fixing to even propose to this girl named Esther, but I really like this girl named Angela. He doesn't know what to do. So Jim, who's feeling very romantic already because he, he's fixing to try to tell Pam how much he loves her, he says, so this is Jim talking to Dwight. He says, I don't know what to tell you, man. All I know is every time I've been faced with a tough decision, there's only one thing that outweighs every other concern. One thing that will make you give up on everything you thought you knew, every instinct, every rational calculation. And Dwight interrupts and says, some sort of virus? <laughs> and Jim says, no, love. About that time, the camera cuts back to Pam in the break room, and she can't take it anymore. She, Jim's not there, but she's got to watch this DVD that Jim just gave to her. So she puts the DVD in the computer, and it begins to roll and before it shows the actual footage, it says Beasley. That's Pam's last name, or it used to be her last name. Anyways, Beasley, you think I'll have regrets. I asked the doc crew to help me show you why I won't. So the DVD begins to play. And again, like I said earlier, it just shows clips of their relationship. It shows all these glances, all these uh, these little flirtatious looks, shows them joking together, shows them doing air high fives across the room, shows their first kiss, shows when uh, Jim told Pam he loved her, shows their, their uh, engagement at 
the gas station in the rain, so she's beginning to cry. And then it cuts back to Jim talking to Dwight. Dwight says, listen. Or sorry, Jim says, Dwight, listen. No matter what happens, you got to forget about all the other stuff. you got to forget about logic and fear and doubt. you just got to do everything you can to get to the one woman who's worth it all. At the end of the day, you got to jump. And then it cuts back. Y'all still with me? Then it cuts back to Pam in the break room. And here's an important part and we're, as we wrap this up. In the video, it shows when Jim gave her this teapot that she had been wanting. But it wasn't just a teapot. In the teapot were things like he had kept from like three years prior when he gave it to her, he had kept this little pencil from playing putt-putt mini golf. He, he cherished everything about her. So in this teapot were all these things that man, he was just trying to show her that he cherished everything about her. But in the videos Pam was watching, she noticed that when Jim gave it to her the first time, he took a card out of the teapot. So as she's watching, she's excited, but she's also wondering, like, what was that card that he was going to give me those years ago? So Jim finally walks back into the break room. She's crying. She's crying. And he says, well, so you watched it? And she's like, yeah, I couldn't help it. <laughs> and then he pulls out a card. And she's like, what is that? And he says, this is the card from the teapot. Everything you'll ever need to know is in here. So he gives her the card. And she opens it up. And unfortunately, they don't show us what it says, Dagnabbit. But <laughs> she reads it and begins to cry more. And he looks at her. Remember what, she, remember what had started all this, what she was feeling, what she was struggling with. He looks at her and he says, not enough for me? You are everything. What he was trying to get her to see is, you don't have to doubt or worry that I love you. <laughs> Now, why did I tell you that ridiculous story from the office <laughs> that maybe half of you haven't seen? If you know Christ, he views you as a treasure. And here's what I want you to see. Your teapot is the cross. <laughs> when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, that God the Son came to earth to die for you, to offer you forgiveness and hope and love and a new relationship with him, you never have to doubt if he loves you. You never have to question, man, does God care about me? Does he treasure me? Does he value me? The cross says, period. Like, it's done. He loves you. You are a treasure to him. And God wants you to see that. Wait, I mean, it makes, like, the whole Jim and Pam thing seem like a joke. Jim saying, I want you to not question that. God, more than Jim, is saying, man, I wish I could just open up your gut and let, uh, put it in your heart so you never question again. I love you. I value you. I treasure you. He wants you to see that. He wants you to revel in that, to rejoice that you are loved. What does God want for you? He wants you to see how much hope there is for you. He wants you to see the mountain-moving power that's available to work in and through you. And he wants you to see that you are treasured, that you are loved. But y'all, the reason Paul was praying this is we can't do this on our own. That's like, well, today I will remind myself how much God loves me. That's a good thing to do. You know what? The reason Paul was praying this, we need God's help, don't we? We need God's help in grasping the hope we have in him, the power we have in him, and how much he loves us. And here's the deal. I think if we grasp those things, we will quit running to so many other stupid things in this world to fill our longings. Amen? 
we would just rest in who God is and what he's done for us. So here's what I want you to do. If you would, just right where you're at, take a moment, and we prayed out loud earlier, maybe just pray between you and God and ask God to open your eyes. We're not quite through yet, but ask God to open your eyes to those three things, the hope you have in him, the power you have in him, and how treasured you are in him. And here's the deal. If you don't know Christ, you can know him if you'll turn to him for salvation. And so here in a few minutes, not yet, but in a few minutes, we have some pastors at the back, at the coffee section in the welcome center, and they would love to talk to you about what it means to know Christ so you can have the hope, the power, and be treasured by him. But if you would, right now, where you're at, just ask God to open your eyes to those three things. I'll give you just a minute or two to do that. God, thank you for your word and that we do have hope and power in you, Lord, and that we're loved by you. What a crazy thing to think that you see us as a treasure, as an inheritance. I pray that would change the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about other people, Lord, and the way that we live. That give us hope. Give us the strength to keep pushing forward to know you and to be bold for you because of the power that is within us through you. God, to fight temptation, to fight sin, to fight fear, to fight those struggles of anxiety or stress, knowing that your power is within us. God, please open our eyes. You know, I think God knew that we would struggle to remember things, like how much he loves us and what he thinks about us. And so, uh, one, over and over in Scripture, the Bible tells us about God's love for us. It, talks, it says we should love God, but way more times it tells God lo- says that God loves us. But something it gave us to remind us of, first of all, his sacrifice, but also from that, like, his love for us, is what we call the Lord's Supper. So this morning, we're going to kind of drive this truth into our life that we have hope in Christ, we, we have power, but also we're treasured by him. We're going to kind of drive that truth into our lives, that reminder, by celebrating the Lord's Supper. Jesus gave this to us to, to commemorate what he did for us on the cross, but also to celebrate and to revel and rejoice in the sacrifice he made for us. And so here in just a second, I'll pray and our, uh, our deacons will come forward to help us pass the elements out. It, it's just a little tiny cracker and some, uh, some little juice. And so um, if you're hungry, this is not going to be your lunch. But um, man, this is a way to celebrate the fact that Jesus literally gave 
his life for us, that his body was broken. He poured out his blood for you and for me. And if the only thing we ask is if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, that you, uh, that you don't partake this morning. And no one's going to be looking, no one's judging. Um, if you're not a Christian, you would like to know Christ. Uh, here in a few moments, or even, gosh, now if you want, I've got my friend Zach back here and Jack back there um, that will love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to know Jesus, um, to place your faith in him and his sacrificial death for you. Um, and so I'm going to do, I'm going to pray and uh, our deacons will come and let's do this. As We're going to sing a song as the, the cups are being passed out. Um, and I'm going to ask that you, you do one of three things. You can sing with this. You can just pray and talk with the Lord or maybe just reflect on his sacrifice for you. I'm going to ask that we don't stand even though we're singing because that may, will make it really hard to pass the elements out. But I'd like you and invite you just to sing the song with us um, and reflect on God's goodness and love for you uh, as we pass these out. And then once they're all passed out, I'll, uh, I'll lead us as we take. Make sense? Let me pray for us. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the, for the Lord's Supper, for communion, that we can uh, together, we can rejoice in your life, your death, and your resurrection, and the hope that we have in you, the power, and that we're treasure, Lord, and that we have a new covenant with you. It's covenant based on your life and death and resurrection, not on our fickle nature. And so we rejoice in the new covenant, God, and that you've given us your spirit within us. And we pray that you just speak to us as we um, take the Lord's Supper. It's your name we pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the venue podcast. Thank you.